0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, called The Danger of Drifting.
1: So I used to play a lot of slow-pitch softball in... And- We went to Las Vegas and we played in this tournament all day. And in these slow pitch tournaments, it was double elimination. And so you could play from morning until evening. We we probably played 10 games. We were in the championship game. It was late at night. About, you know, a good five hour drive to come back from Vegas. I was the drummer on a worship team. I had to be at church at seven in the morning. I wasn't gambling in Vegas. Just so you know, I was playing softball. So. We went out to dinner. We played the last game. It was a, it was a long day. So many softball games, so much energy, uh, you know, given, ate dinner, had a big cup of coffee and decided I'm driving back. And I, I probably got on the road. I don't know what it was. It was probably 11 o'clock at night. So, you know, it was hitting 2.33 in the morning. And I remember I was on the 15 freeway and I began to look at the lights and I began to see different animals in the lights. Like I looked up and the light went, roar! I was like, whoa! Wait a minute. And so I started doing that slapping thing too and poking myself in the eye. No, just kidding. But uh, I kind of snapped out of it, you know, rolled the windows down, turned the music up, got home, and there was a huge accident on the 15 freeway. Uh, About if I would have pulled over or something, I probably would have been involved or somehow held up by that accident. Anyway, Here's the point. Usually when someone's drifting, something else is going on. Either they're not paying attention, or they're asleep, or have you ever done this? A car looks like the person may be drunk, and then you, you give them, you ever give them a look like, what in the world's wrong with you, right? And you can see that they're on their phone, or they're doing their makeup. <laughs> see, we drift when we're distracted. We drift when we're not paying attention. We, we, there's a number of things that could be at the root of this. But when you drift, if you take the ship imagery, you can pass the warning signs. Uh, I read a pastor this last week who said that he used to regularly fish and he would you know, kind of anchor the boat and he would begin to fish. And he didn't realize one time that his anchor got pulled up And he almost crashed his boat into the rocks because he just didn't realize where he was. This is the imagery that the writer is using. Most people who have nothing to do with the church these days and the like in America probably have heard the gospel, may even have some background in the things of the Lord, but they have drifted away. C.S. Lewis put it this way. And as a matter of fact, if you examined a 100 people, who had, quote unquote, lost their faith in Christianity. I wonder how many, how many of them would turn out to have been reasoned out of it by honest argument. And then he says these words, do not most people simply drift away. Now, when, the, when you get the imagery of drifting, it's kind of like a slow drift. It's not like someone just decides, okay, I'm gonna turn around uh, usually, it, it's, a, it's a process, right? It's a slow chipping away. And all of a sudden, one drifts away. And so the antidote is to pay closer attention. Now, the, some of the ideas, go to chapter 5 in Hebrews, of the, the word drift speaks of carelessness, not paying attention. Notice what happens here. The writer says of this group in Hebrews 5, verse 11. He's talking here about Melchizedek, this uh, mysterious figure that he picks up later in the book. And he says, concerning him, Hebrews five eleven, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, Hebrews five twelve, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God or the word of God. You've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Would you see with me that what's happened to these people is they've become, verse 11, dull of hearing, they've become careless in the things of God. They ought to be teaching others by this time, but they still need milk. They certainly haven't grown. So you can see the idea of drifting here is not necessarily all about pressure and persecution. Some of it has simply been a matter of neglect. So let's turn back to chapter one. This is how Stedman puts it It's not necessary to openly renounce the gospel. One can remain lost by simply and quietly drifting away from hearing it. He warned them not to be carried away by the popular opinions that surrounded them. Don't get pulled away from the saving gospel. That's the point. It's so easy to drift. All you have to do is nothing. Take a relationship as you turn to Matthew chapter 4. Let me show you the parable of the sower Think about relationships. Think about a friend. If you're married, think about your spouse or you're courting, you're dating somebody. That relationship, the investment of that relationship will determine the quality of that relationship, amen? Uh, There is naturally in relationships a drift. There was a great uh, gold medallion medallion winner book uh, written by the, president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey. And he called the book Staying Close. And it was a book about marriage. And here's what the the basic premise of the book was this, that marriages, when you first get married, of course, you're excited and all that stuff and everything's new. But marriages, he said, naturally drift towards isolation. That will be the natural thing if you do nothing. And his argument in the book was in in order to keep a relationship from drifting, you have to be intentional. Date nights, uh, talking, you know, making sure that you touch and all of those love languages that many of us have learned about. And with your relationship with the Lord, because we do say it's a relationship, do we not? We don't say we're just checking boxes. We're not, you know, uh, trying to keep a religious scorecard. We want to develop a relationship with the Lord. Now, I want you to think this through with me. If the quality of that relationship is not where it needs to be, then when persecution and trouble comes, what might happen? Well, you might respond one way if you were really close. You might respond another way if you've already been distant. An occurrence that might draw you closer might push you away from one another. Now, think with me. In the last couple of years in the church, we've, we've experienced some unprecedented issues, correct? We're looking at moral issues in our culture that are as crazy as we could ever, you know, I could ever remember in my lifetime. Not to mention the COVID stuff and all of that. The response of the church to trouble, storms, persecution, and the like, uh, the quality of our response will have to do with the quality of our closeness. That's true in human relationships. That's true in your ultimate relationship with God. Amen? This is not rocket science. But to me, when I look at the response of the church to different issues in our day, I have to be asking the question about this reality. Have we drifted? Well, we've got a lot To garner our attention. I mean, we've got social media. We've got media, you know, things where hundreds of years ago when people were retiring for the night, they didn't have a ton of options. They read books (laughs) by candlelight. And so I know that we all have our own challenges to stay on track. And some of us have a difficulty with that just kind of naturally. But my point is this. I think we're seeing the result of a slow drift. Would you agree? And so the remedy is for us to pay close attention. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Check out the parable of the sower or the soils. This is uh, Mark four. Mark 4:16. 4, In a similar way, and Jesus is talking about the second soil, the stony ground hearer of the word or the gospel. Mark 4:16 In a similar way these are the ones on whom seed seed is the word of God here was sown on the rocky places who when they hear the word immediately they receive it with joy Mark 4:17 and they have no what firm root in themselves but are only temporary then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word immediately they fall away. I want you to notice something about this particular soil. When the word came, when the seed was thrown on that particular soil, there was an immediate response and there was joy. But the problem was the root wasn't firm. The root wasn't deep. It was only temporary. And what caused the falling away is very key to our text. It was affliction And persecution. It arose because of the word. And immediately. These folks fell away. Let me read a little bit from my notes. In Israel much of the land. Is a thin two to three inch veneer of soil over limestone bedrock. Here uh, some of the seed falls. The warm sun quickly heats the seed in the shallow soil. And the seeds sprout in feverish growth. But then the sun beats down. The plant's roots meet the bedrock and it withers and dies. We've all seen this happen. You see somebody, they hear the gospel. There's a euphoric response. They run down the, the aisle. They come forward at Angel Stadium, whatever it may be. They plunge down from the stands at the Billy Graham Crusade. I mean, so many people have gotten saved at Billy Graham Crusades. You'd think every church would be full in America, right? But then what happens
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
1: Listen to our podcast mini-series, A Step Closer. In these series, Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics we face in our life from a Christian perspective. Our next series has to do with our recently broadcast of the Song of Solomon, talking about relationships.
2: When I think you're your spouse and just one of you or both of you, are going through having shame from not doing it God's way, that um, you need to work on that together, not separately, not one spouse who's having the problem going to get the help that they need. But I think together they need to navigate this.
1: You can listen to A Step Closer on walkintruth.com, or you can subscribe and follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app, like Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and
0: many more that's walk in truth's a step closer on your favorite podcast app
2: if you listen to walk in truth on a regular basis we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner our mission on walk in truth is to help people like you become better equipped with god's word to address today's issues trends and culture your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station provide the podcast and with other monthly expenses What we really need is more monthly partners so the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com.
0: We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth.
1: And there was joy. But the problem was the root wasn't firm. The root wasn't deep. It was only temporary. And what caused the falling away is very key to our text. It was affliction and persecution. It arose because of the word. And immediately these folks fell away. Let me read a little bit from my notes. In Israel, much of the land is a thin two to three inch veneer of soil over limestone bedrock. Here, uh, some of the seed falls. The warm sun quickly heats the seed in the shallow soil. And the seeds sprout in feverish growth. But then the sun beats down. The plant's roots meet the bedrock. And it withers and dies. We've all seen this happen. You see somebody. They hear the gospel. There's a euphoric response. They run down the the aisle. They come forward at Angel Stadium. Whatever it may be. They plunge down from the stands at the Billy Graham Crusade. I mean, so many people have gotten saved at Billy Graham Crusades. You'd think every church would be full in America, right? but then what happens? Well, I'll tell you what happens because I did follow up for the Harvest Crusade for many, many years. And let me just say, I think the Harvest Crusade is a wonderful thing. I think Greg faithfully preaches the gospel and I think people genuinely get saved there. But I've done some follow up where I made 10 phone calls and you would have never known that these people on the other line even went to the crusade. Oh, I went down because one of my buddies went down to the field. Oh, I went down because I wanted to pick some grass where Mike Trout hangs out in center field and put it in my pocket. Oh, I went down because it was an emotional moment or whatever. And I'm not saying that they were all that way. But sometimes, you know, you see a person respond quickly and and it seems like they're going to serve the Lord for the next 50 years. But how many people do you know who have... Simply drifted away, where are they? Well, if you were to interview them, they might say something like this oh i 'm a believer, I love the Lord. The Lord knows I love him. You ever heard this one before? The Lord knows that I love him. Well, do you serve him do you Are you doing it? No, but the the Lord knows my heart, yeah, He does, but He also measures hearts. <laughs> He also said that he's the king and you're his servant. There are some expectations. So the soil here represents shallowness and the heat of trials and persecution reveal the condition of the soil. There's no deep root. And the heat that might, you know, cause one who's committed to go deeper causes one who's shallow to fall away. And you can imagine the plant before our eyes quickly withers and dies, and that's it. And so this is the stony ground convert. Convert in quote in quotes. Luke eight thirteen puts it this way Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. They have no firm root, they believe for a while, Luke eight thirteen, and in time of temptation they fall away. The word fall away is scandalizo, which means to stumble, to fall, to be scandalized. I think some people are just not quite prepared for what they may face as a believer. And this is why I think it's important that we tell people to count the cost, right? That we give as much of the full counsel of God as we can, back to Hebrews chapter 2, so that people understand that Every circle that you run in, Jesus is not going to be always popular. Have you discovered that? Sometimes you're going to bring Jesus up and there's a real true reception that's positive and people are open and people are, you know, gracious. But in some company, it is hard that when you mention Jesus or you say, I'm a Christian, you may not get a standing ovation for that. It can be hard. I've, I've ended up in some hard spots where I was not the most popular person in the room. But I had some mentors in my life tell me that when I signed on the dotted line for ministry, I wasn't trying to win a popularity contest. Now, I like to be liked. I'm a human like everybody else. I, I like it when I get along with people. I'm a man of peace. I like to be at peace with people. But I've real, I realize that when I preach the gospel, I may, may be set at odds with people. I stood up here not that many months ago. I was preaching at a memorial service for a family that I didn't really know. I began to preach a text that was very familiar to me and I watched a family member roll their eyes and go, Oh my goodness, you gotta be kidding me. As I go, Well, yeah, here we go. This is great. You know? Uh that's the that's the my opening comment first minute into my message. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> that's encouraging as a speaker, I can tell you. I've have, had people get up and walk out. People from our own praise team. It's shocking when it, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. They get up early because they go get ready for the last song. If you ever wondered, why are they getting up? Does Pastor Michael offend them every single week? No. <laughs> I remember I was teaching on uh, biblical masculinity and what God has for biblical femininity. And I was teaching from a passage and I uh, opened the word of God and I taught it. And, you know, wasn't the most popular thing in today's culture. And a couple young ladies got up and they walked out. And uh, it's like, well, I didn't come to please them. I try to be as gracious as I can be. But truth has a way of kind of dividing some things, right? Um so thank you for <laughs> that anyway. <laughs> Verse 2, Hebrews 2. For if the word spoken through angels, now we're we're looking at the the first covenant, the old covenant. Uh it came through the mediation of angels on Sinai. That covenant proved unalterable. There was no wiggle room in it. Every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense. The NIV puts it this way, Hebrews 2.2, 2, if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just, just punishment. So under, under the old covenant given at Sinai, just think of the 10 commandments. Here's what would happen. There was a law given. You broke that law and you got your just desserts for it. You broke the Sabbath day. The punishment was severe. You committed adultery. The punishment was severe. You blasphemed the name of the Lord. Punishment was severe. And it was basically, you do this, this is what happens to you. It proved unalterable, no wiggle room. The argument here, very common in Scripture, is going from the lesser to the greater. If breakers of the law did not go unpunished, certainly despisers of the gospel cannot expect to do so. If you neglect the saving gospel, this is what all these warning passages in Hebrews is about. If you walk away from Christ... What's left? How do you deal with your sin? How can you be right in the sight of a holy God who thundered from Sinai if you reject the one way that you can come to the Father and be right? You got nothing left.
0: You've been listening to The Danger of Drifting, part two on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter two, two through four. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Hey, we'd also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from today's teaching or maybe from a previous teaching, or maybe you have a question about something else, or you need encouragement or prayer. Hey, maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you personally. You can always email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Hey, and thanks for reaching out. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word.
1: Well, sometimes I I realize that when we talk about the danger of drifting, it makes some believers really nervous. And maybe you're the type of person who regularly beats yourself up over not doing enough or not good enough. Or am I, am I the person in danger of this? And what's the tipping point? You know, there's so many things that can cross our minds and I just say this, if you're even concerned about it, that's not a bad sign because it means that it's you want to be in the right spot. But how do we balance this with salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, and uh, making sure that we don't drift and doing the right stuff? How do we balance that? Well, we balance that by, you know, if we love the Lord and if we've been truly born again, then our desire is going to be to walk with Him. And it is true we all have to acknowledge this. We're going to have some days when we're closer than others. That is, we're 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 doing perhaps better in terms of our overall spiritual life at some points than other points. But the truth of the matter is that if you are a believer, your daily journey, one day at a time, is simply to walk with him. And look, if you, if you get off course, just get back on course. It's really that simple. You don't have to overthink it. See you tomorrow.
0: If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner? Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with some of the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for only $5 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 2-4 through four, called The Danger of Drifting. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.